0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsile Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show Rat Review with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle and Lou Mabs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist we also have the official Rat Review spin offs such as Album vs. Album Screens from the Grave where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them we've also got Old Man Metal's musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike the Team Motoki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founded Member Timo Tolkien. the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music Is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info and to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming
0: platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network we're taking over hey guys welcome to metal thrashing nerd podcast i am metal thrashing mike and today i have with me paul uh, how did i say your last name paul van valkenberg van valkenberg okay just wanted to make sure but paul van valkenberg he's here with me he's from the power trio hard rock metal band tube freaks They've been around for two decades, and they've opened for such acts as Lamb of God, Godsmack, Stone Temple Pilots, Fuel, Saliva, Puddle of Mud, and there's more. Uh, according to your EPK, can you name any of those others?
2: Ah, uh, well, um, it, there's a bunch of them. Um, I'm just trying to think uh, who we've played with. Some of the it, some of those were at festivals, yeah. Uh, so there was metal bands uh when we played with lamb of god one band i really loved was called uh upon a body burning uh they were badass um uh we've played with uh sponge uh so many groups going way back
0: right well you know 20 years that'll that'll uh you know you've played with a lot of people yes definitely well, I'm glad to see you've made it out of the uh, the pandemic we were all in. That's great to see, and uh, you're still touring. Uh, I, we, I'd like to talk about your two newest singles that are leading up to your new album, Unhinged. Sure. So uh, can you tell me kind of the, some of the inspiration behind Release the Crow as far as uh, lyrical and, you know, even some of the music inspiration there?
2: Sure. Well, uh, you know, the, the musical inspiration came from the fact that... Uh, Rob Portillo, our guitarist, and uh, Chris Battalato, our drummer, we got together and we said, hey, let's write a new album. And we wanted it to be heavy. And uh, so we've always been uh, heavy, um, maybe hard rock grunge, but we really wanted to try and step up the heaviness a little bit, and, you know, the, and really get some hype going in some of the songs. Right. Uh, so... The, the song Release the Crow, especially, we felt was an attention grabber because it's hyped. It's, uh, you know, from start to finish, it just it just keeps coming at you. And uh, so when we made up those grooves, we were like, okay, wow, we got to, you know, this is going to be a good one. And so uh, the lyrics, uh, you know, they're sort of about, uh, I guess, Release the Crow is sort of a metaphor to set yourself free. Right. Uh, Right. So the lyrics talk about, you know, your individuality and what you're doing as a person. And then, you know, you come around and you deal with adversity. And then at the end of the chorus there, it's release the crow. It's like, it's you know, just let it go.
0: right. Well, I mean, uh, mm
2: -hmm.
0: I was going to say, from your perspective, too, as being the bass player and the singer, I mean, do you ever find any of these? These particular songs you write later on to be more difficult when you have to try and play them live.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's one of the fun parts uh, for me. I love a, a good challenge, and so one thing that I've always done. This is actually the third straight album that I've played the bass, and um, uh, you know, of course, the lead singer of the band uh, for all of our music. But um, is I've never worried about, well, is this going to be easy to sing and play at the same time? So we normally will write the music first. I think a lot of rock bands do things that way. And then we'll put the lyrics and the melody lines, the words on top. And So people have asked me that before. They're like, well, are you worried that you're making this vocal line tricky that you're not going to be able to sing and play it? And I'm like, absolutely not, because I want the vocal line to be the best vocal line that it can be, independent of the bass line. And so I do it that way. And then I go back and learn it and Several times I've kicked myself and said, why did I do it that way? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> sometimes it is easier and sometimes it is harder. Um, but actually, I have a lot of fun with the songs where it's harder because you have to really slow it down and really go over it and over it and over it. And then it's like anything that's challenging. And if you work real hard at it, when you finally get it, it's very rewarding. And um and so it, it's fun. It's kind of like figuring out a puzzle.
0: So you take the, I always call it the sting approach because uh, his baselines for the police, they'd be kind of all over the place sometimes and his vocals would be in a completely different direction. So he'd actually slow things down with a metronome and work his way up to speed.
2: Absolutely. Slow it way down. And sometimes if it's really tricky, you know, maybe listen to the recording and say okay when my hand moves to this note that's when i'm on that syllable or something like that and so yeah you really have to break it way down sometimes sometimes it's just really easy though because it goes right along with the music so it just depends on the song really
0: so uh going back to lyrics can you kind of give me some of the inspiration behind the song preacher dog
2: well, yeah, so I actually, uh, uh, and uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'll admit the truth here. Preacher Dog was the last song that, uh, that we recorded and that we wrote the lyrics for on the album. And after you've written a lot of stuff, you tend to get into a zone where, you know, you kind of start running out of ideas. And so. I turned to an old friend that I had played music with in my very first band a long time ago, and his name's Andy, Andrew Bell. He's listed on the the YouTube video, and he's actually the bartender in the video.
1: Um,
2: Yeah, so I I said, hey, I call him A.B. I called him up. I said, A.B. I said, hey, would you have any interest in, you know, listening to a song, and maybe you can help me kind of work on some lyrics? He's like, Sure. So I sent it to him and I got together with him. I was really nervous because I've done this with friends before. And then it sucks when they come back to you with something that you're not really into. Right. Uh, be- yeah. Because then you got to be like, well, I kind of like it, but you know, um, you got to start making up excuses. And so, you know, he told me, he's like, Hey, I got something for you. Van V. So, that's what they call him, Van V. And so I uh, went to his place, and he played this stuff. He, he kind of helped me with the verse. So I had the chorus and, and the lyrics for Preacher Dog. But when he came up with that part about, uh, it's a method to your madness, and the way that it sat on the, the song was something that I wouldn't have thought of. And so I was like, hmm, I just sat there and I just kind of processed it in my brain real quick. I was like, you know what? I said, I really like this. And so so what I did was when I came to record the song with the other guys, I didn't tell them that I had done this because I didn't want them to have some sort of prejudice and be like, because, you know, we all write everything. So we we only do that occasionally where we turn to another person. But, uh, so I didn't tell them because I didn't want them to have some, uh, you know, uh,
0: predetermined,
2: uh, thought Uh, about it. Yeah.
0: Preconceived notion.
2: Preconceived notion. That's what the word I was looking for. And so, uh, so we recorded it and everything. We'll back. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah you guys like this first. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we like it, man. It's cool. And I was like, oh, by the way, I said my buddy helped me put that together. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, oh, okay. And they're like, well, that's cool. <laughs> so, I guess they didn't have a choice in it that way. So sorry if I took too long to answer that question. No, but, you're uh, cool.
0: I was just going to say there's actually something similar with a band I've enjoyed for years like Sepultura. Uh, My favorite song of theirs is probably always going to always been stronger than hate. And it's actually the lyrics were co-written by somebody outside of the band. So sometimes that's, you know, that's a good way to go, man.
2: Well, yeah. And like I said, we normally don't, but it was just that I was kind of stuck in a rut and I figured, well, why not? And like I said, he came up with the lyrics are really cool, but. Uh, And again, he did about half of the lyrics, but the melody line was what really was just way different than what I would think of. Um, And so that was just great because, you know, as a writer, you tend to fall into patterns. and Everybody has their same little things that they go to. Um, And that was one of the whole things. I know we're going to talk about the album. But that was one of the things on the album that we really really focused on and said to each other we're not we're going to try to not do that. So like I might bring a riff to the guys or Rob would bring a riff or whoever would bring a something and I'd play it to them and they'd say, "Well that's cool, Paul." They said, "But you've done that before." You know, you, there's a song on your previous album that sounds like that riff. And and we agreed that we weren't going to get Butt hurt over anything that when someone would come and criticize something and say something like that because it's constructive criticism, and um, so uh, that did happen a lot because I think everybody tends to fall into patterns, and um, so whenever that happened, we said to each other, "Hey, you know, that's you've done that before," and so we kept trying to come up with something new. And so that was what was great about the way that my friend did preacher dog because it was something I wouldn't have thought of at all. And so they we're like, okay, cool. Well, that sounds new to us too.
0: Well, we, we tend to fall into comfort zones when we're writing music. It's, it's easy to do. It's so easy.
2: Exactly. Right. It's the comfort zone. You
0: know, you have to break out of that. I, I all the time have to break myself out of those little comfort zones. You have to experiment and be creative.
2: Right, and and you know it's one of those things where, um, you know everybody wants to be creative and think outside of the box, but can you do it? And can you do it on that particular day? You know, we all have to have jobs being rock musicians. Cause oh yeah, doesn't pay anything. Right, so you come home from your job and you've been dealing with your nine to five all day, and now suddenly you have to turn into like Kurt Cobain, you know, on heroin and think of these crazy ideas, and it's like, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, um, you know, and so it's uh, just one of those things. Um, it took us a long time and a lot of work to to compose and then record this
0: album. Right. I was going to ask you about the recording as well. I noticed that it was mastered by Gene, um, um, Gene Machine, who did uh, several of God's albums. I was going to ask about the recording part of it, though. Did you guys do this as an at-home thing and do the mixing yourself, and then send it to him for the master?
2: Well, you could say at home. If having about a hundred thousand dollars studio is at home, right? So our our drummer Chris is a, a, a sound engineer, and he's been training for years and is done a lot of good work. And so yes we recorded it ourselves but it's it was done with like the real deal type of equipment and know-how. Right. Um yeah, Chris is a fantastic engineer and and you know, recording engineer and mixer. And so we recorded and mixed everything ourselves um and then we connected with Machine, uh, Gene Freeman, who you mentioned. He's done, I think, two Lamb of God albums. Excuse me. He's done three of Clutch's coolest albums.
0: Um, Ed Yeah.
2: Yeah. The guy's just amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so we'd get on these sessions with him, and he would just pick out things out of the blue, and we'd be like, wow, how did you hear that? And he would tell us how to deal with things. And so uh, Chris learned a lot from dealing with machine because, I mean, machine's a world-class, you know, uh, level uh, producer and mixing engineer. And so it was a lot of fun for us to uh, learn, but machine also was very complementing com- com- complimenting yeah. of Chris. Where when we brought the mixes to Machine, they were like, he's like, look, I'll tell you how to tweak some things, but everything's right where it needs to be already. And so that was just so that we had like, a you know, a third party to come kind of just give us a final check more than anything. But we've developed a relationship with uh, Machine, and we're hoping to do more with him uh, the next time. We might even see if we can have him produce us on some stuff. Awesome. He's amazing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he did Ashes of the Wake for Lamb of God, wasn't it?
2: I'm not sure. I I think Sacrament was one of them. I
0: think Sacrament was one. Either way, he's done, you know, part of my childhood. So (laughs) that was teenage years, man, you know?
2: I know. I think he he was definitely the, I'm not, well, I don't want to say definitely, but I think he was the producer for that song, Redneck.
0: Okay, that that would have been Sacrament, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was badass.
0: Oh, that's a great tune. I remember when the single came out, we were all, you know, fucking car moshing in the car and shit.
2: (laughs) Well, those guys are just so amazing. Uh, You know, the Lamb of God, just as players and musicians, they're just.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: So, yeah. But, uh, so, you know, we did record the whole thing ourselves. and uh, and um, machine uh, gave us additional consultation.
0: Well, you know it's important too to have that additional. You were saying it's very important to do that, and it absolutely is to any other bands that are out there listening to this or any musicians. You know it's important to have a second or third set of ears. That's why you know a lot of bands like to record it with one person, mix it with another, and master with a, another person. Mm-hmm. And it puts That's it on. Right. It puts it on separate sets of speakers for starters and then you have separate ears listening to it that'll catch things that maybe, you know, you didn't. That's right. So, good decision. Kudos.
2: Yeah, that was exactly our thought process.
0: Yeah. All right. So, um let me uh let me ask a little more about the new album that's coming out. Uh what were some of Can you tell me about some of the other material that's going to be on it? Uh, you know, without getting too far into that, you know, digging out, you know, secrets and stuff.
2: Sure. Well, the one thing I can say off the bat that we're super proud of is that we think all 12 of the songs sound different from each other. And, uh, you know, so a lot of bands, we think, and maybe even ourselves on previous stuff, will kind of fall into, like we talked about, that comfort zone. And so, um we were really conscious of that. To try and make each song sound different from the next. And uh so we we think we've really achieved that.
0: Well, for 12 um, songs, that's <clears> that's really an accomplishment if you did it for 12 songs.
2: Well, it is, and so there's one song that's um not one of the current singles. We have another single that's coming out in about three weeks called The Casualty. Um, and that's a great song. Uh, There's a song on the album that's called Wait, and um, it's got a bunch of prog elements to us, so we're big fans of so many different bands out there, but our guitarist especially, he loves Rush, and I love bands like Yes, and some of those old prog bands, and so we just decided to kind of go wild on this one song, and a lot of them on the album are like Straightforward, hard rock Slash metal type of thing But then this one song has got all these Prog elements to it And so it's really fun And then uh, there's another song That's kind of, it's real metal like Faster And it has some just real driving parts To it um, There's one song that um, Is called Trouble Which actually has like this real Kind of heavy hip hop groove to it that it's and then it goes into this kind of punk sounding section and so uh, you know it's stuff like that that we really try to do where when you listen to the whole thing again just uh the songs we think that they all have their own thing and their own flavor to them
0: awesome well let me ask you real quick because you mentioned some of your influences and stuff Um, Who were some of your influences, you know, when you guys first started this? You know, what were the things that inspired you to pick up your instruments and put out this type of music?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, and I'm not kidding when I say that all of us, but especially the guitar player and I, because we've known each other and played together for a while. We played in a metal band together for about eight years before he joined Tube Freight. But I mean, it, it crosses the whole spectrum. So I'm a huge fan of uh, the Beatles, and you know, all the way back into uh, like Crosby, Stills, Nash, Neil Young, that type of music. Then going in and to later on, Jimi Hendrix, huge fans of that. Black Sabbath. Uh, Black Sabbath are like heroes of ours, and I think just about every heavy band on the planet idolizes black sabbath in some way shape or form
0: i was about to say um, there's a few podcasters out there too hi
2: <laughs> i mean it's unbelievable how influential that they were um you know but then on to bands like led zeppelin Aerosmith, leonard skinnard was huge you know because they've got some killer riffs and then you moved into like the metallicas and the thrash bands you know anthrax slayer rob loves slayer uh onto the you know grunge alice in chains huge fans of them i mean they're a huge influence on us stone temple pilots um uh, soundgarden onto rage against the machine a lot of the modern bands um you know, we just love uh, Slipknot, Limp Biscuit. I know Slipknot's not a new band anymore, but like Gojira and and so I mean I love just everything, but all of those elements are things that we feel get mixed into our influences. Um, you know, so just hard, heavy rock and metal across the board.
0: Um Well I know you uh, so, mentioned I mean, you were a big
2: I name a lot more.
0: I know you mentioned you were a big Yes fan.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, back in the day, I mean.
0: Let's see I, how big of a Yes fan.
2: Well, I mean, okay. I, I, I've, <laughs> I've got
0: one here. I've got one here. This is actually, I, I say this is the true sign of a Yes fan. Have you ever sat through the entirety of Tales from the Topographical Ocean?
2: I can't say that I have.
0: That's a hard I one have. to get through. You got you to get kind of hardcore to get, get with that one. <laughs>
2: You know, maybe I'm not that hardcore, but like closer <laughs> to the edge and that kind of stuff. And and I've seen yes in concert and Chris Squire. I mean, the guy's just incredible. Oh, Always uh, so guitar. good. Yeah, but what's the guitar player's name? I can't think of it. All Steve Howe. Steve Howe. Yeah, we just saw him a couple of years ago before Chris Squire died. Uh, but John Anderson, you know, just just amazing. <clears throat> but they're just one of you know, literally tens, hundreds of bands that we're fans of.
0: Right. No, no, I'm a big fan of the album Closer to the Edge. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yet Tales from Topographical Oceans is actually the one right after Closer to the Edge. It is very divisive too. It's um you know, we you either love it or you hate it kinda of attitude. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, it, that, it, that sounds cool.
0: It is. And it's another got its moments. Prog
2: band, another prog band that we have adored forever is Rush.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a Rush poster right here in front of the or behind the computer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I grew up. When I was in seventh grade, I mean, I'm dating myself, but I had the, the albums for uh, archives, uh, Rush, and then Black Sabbath, so I really had to blame it on my sister because when I was a little kid, I, I grew up in a musical family. And my dad was a, cl- a classical pianist. But my sister got into Heart. Heart is another band that I just love. Their old stuff was killer. Um, <clears throat> but uh, she was into Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, Heart, Rush, and bands like that. And I listened to that stuff. And I used to play clarinet when I was in third grade. And I went to my dad, I said, Dad, I don't want to play clarinet anymore. I want to play drums. <laughs> right. And that's where it all started.
0: <laughs> so what what's your favorite Rush album? Let me ask you real quick.
2: Oh, if I had to choose... You know, we, we talked about... They're just so good. What, what was the one that was... Uh, the one with... La Villa, Strangiato
0: and the trees. Was that Permanent Hem- Wave? Hemispheres.
2: Hemisphere.
0: I've got that one on I vinyl love over here.
2: Hemisphere.
0: Yeah, that, that was my favorite Rush album for years, man. Uh, and then ah, I, 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 I think insane. I heard Permanent Waves later, and then I was just like, okay, you know, Jacob's Ladder and stuff kind of replaced that. Different strings, you know, songs like that. I was just, I couldn't get past how great that one was.
2: That one was insane. I mean, I think the pinnacle of their career was, of course, moving pictures. But um, I got way into, uh, like, Caress of Steel, Fly By Night, and the original Rush album, 2112. I mean, come on, those albums are killer. Oh,
0: 2112 is where I started with them.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, Farewell to Kings. And those guys were just insanely good.
0: They really were. All around.
2: Yeah. I know. It's a shame Neil Peart passed away because they were one of the best.
0: Yeah, it really was. It was a sad day we lost Neil Peart. Uh, I know. Up until Portnoy, I think he was the youngest drummer in uh, the Rockin' or the Drummer's Hall of Fame or something like that. I can't remember which magazine it was. Really? Yeah, but it was like up until Mike Portnoy showed up. And Portnoy was influenced by him and uh, Bill Buford from Yes. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. full circle I there.
2: Buford, I, I remember I went and saw Grito kind of going back to Rush. What was that, Buford, Wakeman? Uh, there was a band. Uh, oh, the, the, who was the, the keyboardist?
0: Rick Wakeman from Yes. That,
2: that, that was Wakeman. Ooh, do you remember that band? Uh... And it was the singer. What's
0: uh John Anderson. Uh,
2: Anderson Wakeman, Anderson Wakeman, Bruford and Howe. Those it, guys put out like two albums or something.
0: D- their outside discography too. from the main band is so odd.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because you throw in stuff Definitely. like Asia and it just gets weird. And then Rick Wakeman is, you know, doing uh, King James, the eighth and uh, King Arthur. Uh huh. So they get a little yeah, wacky. Yeah, so
2: you know, Prague stuff. And we you know, of course we're trying to, you know, move up in the ranks and get more popular and get on the festivals and have people know us. And so that's why we we had fun with the one song on the album that's that's proggy and we love that, but we didn't want to do that as a overall thing because you know, there's uh, there's some people like You and me, who love that kind of stuff, but a lot of the average listener it overwhelms them.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, I was going to say like a band like, I I revert back to Dream Theater a lot, but man, the way they built their fan base over the years is just staggering. It's amazing. And they built a loyal fan base because they'd get guys like you or me who are really into music, and we're the ones that listen to them. I mean, I... I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, I'd, "I about guarantee you, ninety percent of the people that listen to this podcast are probably musicians." Yeah, because I mean, I we're mean, musicians, but we're it. we're also fans of music. That's right. And when you start digging into, yeah. you know, lesser-known bands, it's usually musicians who are doing it. So,
2: <laughs> well, very good. Yeah, Na-
0: nature of the beast. That's,
2: that's right. Well, that's cool. You like a lot of those same bands.
0: Oh, man, I like a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, <laughs> I say this one a lot, too. It's, uh, you know, kind of surprised people. I've got Chet Atkins and Dolly Parton albums over here in my record stand, you know?
2: <laughs> I know. I-, I like pop music. I'm a big fan of Gwen Stefani. I used to love No Doubt. I even liked some of Madonna's stuff, believe it or not. I went and saw her in concert. It was phenomenal. So I I actually like a lot of pop music and and Latin music. Yeah, one of the funniest things is, is that Rob, our guitarist, he uh is uh, his family is from El Salvador, and so he's actually Latin and speaks Spanish. And my family came from like Europe or somewhere, not Latin. And uh but the funny thing is is that the riffs I write, I always write these Latin riffs and they're Latin kind of based riffs. And Rob's like, he's like, that's like a Latin riff. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I love Sepultura and so, uh, you know. Uh, Sepultura
0: and Rush. <laughs> there was a lot of Latin influence in Rush's music.
2: Well, that's probably it, Yeah, too, I mean, you so, mentioned La
0: Via yeah. Stranghiata, and I, I always felt like that had a bit of a Latin feel to it in places. yeah. And so that's funny, you know, because Rob's always like, "Yeah,
2: he's like that's Latin." Um, well,
0: you know, <laughs> I, I guess I always keep coming up with Latin
1: riffs.
0: <laughs> uh, somehow, I always wind up coming into these. Like, I, it's probably from it's probably from Rush. It's probably from uh, Alex Lifeson's guitar playing because he always had those uh, kind of Middle Eastern sounding licks and stuff. And I do a lot of those in leads.
2: Oh yeah, well, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast or not because I well maybe I won't.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you don't think you should but, say it, don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, I won't.
0: Let's not get well, in trouble. Well,
2: we, yeah, okay, we will get in trouble, but we like a lot. I'll just say a kind of the Arabian sound. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the Middle Eastern, as I call it. Yeah, just the
2: Middle Eastern Arabian. Yeah, we we come up with a lot of that too. We actually really like that.
0: That's so, uh, probably from hearing those licks all those years of, like, Alex Lifeson's leads, man. Because there was a lot of that in his lead playing.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, well, and also, full circle. Yeah, and then, you know, Black Sabbath came up with that kind of stuff, too.
0: Oh, yeah. they sound, it, Well, they had stuff that sounded like Iron Maiden before Iron Maiden existed.
2: Yeah. And so it's all kind of stemmed from those bands. And I just think that those bands from that era were just so amazing because they didn't have all of the other influences. Like, we can say, oh, yeah, well, we get to listen to Rush and Black Sabbath. Well, Black Sabbath didn't listen. They listened to, like, blues and stuff.
0: Well, I think but, they had the room, too, back then to be more creative as well because there was there hadn't been as much done with distortion and effects and things like that yet. And the studio work, I mean, as far as, you know, doing things in the studio, things were constantly growing back then. You know, it seems like now a lot of what we do, I mean, I've got a recording program right here. We're recording on Cubase. And a lot of the things I wind up doing is just recreating old-fashioned techniques.
2: Right. You know, it's almost like these days, every riff has been done before, you know. Right. Where back then those guys were really, really innovators, and so that's just such a classical period.
0: Absolutely. So uh, before we end this thing, I've got to I got to ask you. Uh, I got two questions for you. So first off, before mm-hmm. we end this, I want you to kind of sell me on your 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 newest single that's going to be coming out in three weeks. You know, sell me, sell the audience on it. I'm, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and that's one of the things about wrestlers and stuff. You know, you hear about is. You know, they tell them to go out there and sell to the audience, sell your character. So can I get you to try and sell me on the single?
2: Sure. Well, this one we think is going to be like uh, maybe a little bit more of a move to some of the modern, uh, I don't want to say new metal because nothing with my voice on it sounds like new metal, but uh, it's maybe where Release the Crow was a little more upbeat and uh Preacher Dog was a little bit down and dirty. Uh this one is gonna have some of the more modern elements to it. Um and so I'd say that that's one of the um uh, one of the selling points about the song. It comes along with another great YouTube video. And so We just think it's going to be another good song on the album.
0: Well, yeah. So let me ask one more question. I usually ask this at the start of the podcast, but uh, we were kind of having fun and forgot all about it. Let's let everybody know where we can find you on social media and where we can buy your merch and listen to your music.
2: Sure. Well, the biggest thing to remember is that tube freaks is one word and the word freaks. Is spelled with two E's. So it's F R E E K S, not F R E A K S. And so Tube Freaks, we're at TubeFreaks.com. And so that'll lead you to our social media uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube. YouTube channel has these. First two videos, Preacher Dog and Release the Crow. The Casualty will be up in a few more weeks. We put out seven or eight videos from our previous album, The Dry Tide. Um, and so, and you can hear all of the previous uh, material through our website or on YouTube. Um, also, Spotify. Uh, you know, of course, we like to get people over there and get on playlists.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. So I'll- it's all out there. I'll ask you uh to uh just uh, send me a message after the podcast, and we'll add two of your songs to my playlist that I have on Spotify for the bands on here.
2: Oh that would be awesome. We would really appreciate it. We're you know trying to build our presence on spotify and so yeah and and then of course, you know your iTunes Amazon, all of those services as well um they all should have our material the the album unhinged will be available uh, November the 5th on all of the services um, as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I I look forward to hearing it. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you doing the interview. You know, uh, I want to also thank everyone that listened. Uh, Be sure and go check out uh, some of the other episodes as well. You know, I I do this thing to kind of promote all the bands that get involved with this, and I want everybody to, you know, succeed. I know everybody can't, but, you know, hopefully everybody can make a living doing this thing, you know?
2: Yep. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, we'll look it up, too, and share the interview on our social media and try and point some more people to your podcast.
0: Very appreciated.
2: uh, Yeah, and again, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Hey, no, it was my pleasure. Thank you.
2: You too. Take care.